All right, welcome everyone. This is uh, now called Press's Corner because that was uh, created by Mr. Mishka. Uh, he didn't like the previous iterations of this, so Cress's Corner is what we're going to go with. Um, this is the third uh, episode of this. Uh, I'm sitting down with Mr. Ratchet Moti from Layer Licensing, um, and we're talking about his company and what they do there. Uh, and as a caveat to these things, these are not meant to be PR fluff. It's meant to uh, get to an understanding of what these companies and these people do and how it fits within the overall gaming ecosystem, and ultimately how they solve problems for the industry with innovation um, in their fields. So that is the purpose. So as I said, the third victim here is Ratchet. Um, and why I'm interested in his company is that, you know, currently, again, the UA Ragnarok is upon us, uh, despite what some people seem to think. And one of the strategies that I've tried to articulate many times is going after licenses to get a uh, increase the funnel, um, and and to help uh, impact and and fix and hopefully solve some of the UA stuff to, by making it a little bit cheaper. And the question really is, how do you actually go about doing that? And Ratchet here is running a company that basically helps facilitate uh, using licenses. Um, and he started Layer with Chris Illick, I think. Um, and I guess let's see what he has to say about the, the current conditions in the environment and how, how his, uh, his solution will actually help solve some of these licensing issues. So I guess first let's, uh, get a quick introduction and uh, about your background, um, and kind of the founding story of Lair, Mr. Ratchet. Thanks, Eric. Nice to be here. How's things? Everything's good. Everyone's sick. It's like everyone's sick. It's a sickness. Never like ends. Two weeks. My son has been sick on and off, but uh, but he's on the mend. I think uh, I haven't got sick yet, though. But everyone else in the family. Oh, I thought we were. I thought we were past all the pandemics and all that. Now we're just moving on to like day to day sicknesses. Basically, right? these are real sicknesses. Yeah, this is like yeah, not the not the fake pandemic. I'm just joking. I'm totally joking. <laughs> let's, not, let's not let's not go into that. Um, no, thanks thanks for having me. And 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 yeah, um, you say you just wanted an intro on, on layer and what we do and the like the company history and how we got into it. Is that yeah, is basically that yeah, brief history and and how you became you know how you started the company exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, I think most people would never kind of say, hey, I'm going to start a company in licensing when they're, when they're a child. Like, no one, no one thinks of that. That's the next logical step for them. So, I mean, really, I grew up in Australia. I'm in Australia at the moment, and I grew up in these, like, small towns of Australia where I fell in love with games. I just spent so much time playing games and always wanted to work in games. And unfortunately, Australia is not the place for that. Like, there's, I think there's... 1100 people maybe that work in games uh so it's not a it's not a huge market so um ended up in tech and i was working in like tech startups growing businesses really enjoyed that um but while i was actually doing that i was in a band uh and we licensed one of our songs into a uh, a nascar soundtrack uh which you know if you're a little band like it's not worth a ton of money or anything but like it's it's pretty cool. Like it's, it's the thing that everyone wants, like you want, you want to be on that soundtrack. And when we did that, um, you know, I was already thinking about the games market a lot. I was already thinking about like the, the way it was changing, but that process was just really kind of complex. It was like clunky, right? It was like PDFs and emails between lots of people and like legal documents kind of moving around. And so I was like, Hey, this is, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't, I don't get why this is so like, 
closed off like do people just like fish around in the dark until a deal happens and then they can make this work and i mean i really just started reaching out to people and i was like hey is this is this how you do it and they're like yeah i do it or or like oh we did that deal because i went to college with the other side right like we we worked with that franchise because we just know them and so that was kind of interesting to me and that's when i looped in chris my co-founder who you mentioned earlier and then um you know it was a really interesting time because i think that's when all these ua changes that you mentioned earlier were, were starting to come around and uh people were getting worried about them and, and we were also starting to see you know the, the games market was changing with like this trend of live ops increasing and like in-game goods in-game experiences you know in game, you know content to keep people around and so everything was just starting to paint this like narrative that was like hey i think that process that we think is pretty broken like i think there's a space here that i think we can we can help uh with like there's a problem that i think developers and publishers were facing and so that was yeah that was i mean i've been working on layer for probably a bit over two years now and then as a business you know we went full-time on layer uh mid 2021 uh now we're a team of uh 13 i believe um and have raised uh, some capital and we're spread out across the, across the world and um working with like amazing names that you know I, w- I wish you know like wish i knew that would, i'd be able to to work with you know developers and publishers of that caliber and like brands of that caliber so it's been it's been really fun it's a it's a really cool cool way to spend the day like you've got these kind of like games on one side and then like pop culture on the other right. side so, so so how is your team actually organized like how, how you said 13 yeah. people is it in mm-hmm. is it uh engineers or is it marketing mm-hmm. is dev or who what, do you, what how does it work well, it's a good question about 50 50 so we've got like six or so on product and engineering so everything that like customers are using or, or kind of interacting with and then the rest of the business is focused on kind of uh, getting the word out to developers, publishers, licensors, and then also, you know, supporting them through that journey of, you know, doing those deals and, and making that easier. And um, so, yeah, kind of down the middle at the moment. And then who are your investors who you have, have done what a seed or an A or, or where have you, where are you at in terms of the funding? Yeah. So we announced our seed round earlier in the, in the year. Um, we managed to get it done pretty quickly. And so with, Australian investors entirely, so led by a, a venture capital firm, firm called Carthona Capital, with a, with a few others around us. That was roughly four million Australian. So, I mean, in real US dollars, I think that's like three. Um, so, yeah, all, all Australian VCs at the moment. Um, though in the future, I think that'll change as we, as we're currently kind of expanding our footprint in the US. We're moving over, and then you know, in the future, we'd probably work with more you know gaming focused investors as well. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games.
Want to know how your results stack up against other gaming apps? Well, now you can. AppsFlyer, the industry leader in measurement and mobile analytics, just released a new tool providing benchmarks on 21 key growth metrics for over 20 categories in 25 markets for both iOS and Android. And it's available now for free at appsflyer.com benchmarks. Yes, you heard that correctly, completely free. In just one click, you can easily compare installs, retention, revenue, media cost, and much, much more. With these benchmarks, you'll be able to get intel on your competitors, set goals based on insights from the top 10% of mobile games, explore new markets and growth opportunities, inform soft launches, and understand market dynamics and trends so that you can adapt your UA strategy accordingly. Over the past seven years, AppsFlyer's industry data reports, trends, and insights have helped thousands of mobile app marketers to excel at their jobs and grow their apps. Trust them, they know their data. Head to appsflyer.com slash benchmarks now for more info. So we've spoken, I think, maybe twice, right? We got together in San Francisco, I think, for GDC. Um, mm. And uh, you were talking about your kind of what you did at that point. But I never really went too deep with it because it's not something mm. I generally do. But what exactly mm. is the tool that you're talking about? Like, is it mm -hmm. a web tool? Is it a standalone yeah. app? Is it... What the what is it and what what the fuck does it do? You know, like that's you know it's more specifically about how does it actually manage the licensing process to make it more efficient. Totally, yeah. We're we're a marketplace, so we're a marketplace that you know if you're a developer or a publisher, you can access most people through uh, a browser, right? Like through desktop. Um, do it on your phone if you like. Um, what the marketplace does is on one side, we've got developers and publishers with their, their games or their projects that they're working on and that they might be interested in licensing IP for. So whether that's a, a character, a car brand, whether they want to work with a celebrity. And then on the other side, we have these you know rights holders that have the, the rights to these, these properties. And then in the middle, we have a matching engine. And so those matches get sent out to developers or you know if you're making a game and you say, hey, We've got this like, you know, casual adventure game, you know, it's got a running element. Um, our audience is big in the US and it's like an 18 to 35 focus and it's like mostly male, for example. Um, and this is our budget and this is how we monetize. Well, then the platform sends you matches that fit that. And so things that you can afford, people that you can actually talk to, things that make sense for your game. So we're not trying to make the like Craigslist of licensing. We're trying to make something that actually like makes it a bit easier for you to figure out like who should we speak to and like what's possible. Right. And so how does the back end work? How, how do people get paid for whatever the license source? Yeah. How do they pay? Do you do you do that those transactions or Yeah, so right now the 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 money moves kind of directly between the two. We we focus more on the discovery and kind of like partner partner matching side of things. Uh so Right now, matches get pushed to developers. Developers can see, you know, like what's available. They can make a proposal through through layer, and then we can step through the like contracts and agreements together. And then from there, it's like the royalties and the kind of any fees that are being paid to the licensor. Uh, right now, are, are direct, and I think over time, you know, we we will look to make that easier as well. You know, can we can we automatically, you know, collect those royalties and, and make that flow a bit easier so there's less admin. And how about like approvals for usage? So like, is there, yeah. after you decided to go forward with the license, are there approvals on mm -hmm. the back end for any executions? 
Yeah, so a little bit. We have, we have um, I guess, you know, even early on, we will restrict things that are unlikely to get approved. So like if, if it's a kid's IP, they're not going to be matched with, you know, like a social casino game, right? So like, firstly, we cut out a lot of things that are just not going to fly for that IP or for that game. And then from there, uh, we do have some kind of in-platform discussion elements. Um, and then, you know, with the the reality of these deals is like a lot of the time they have to talk to each other because like they're doing a deal where both sides want to protect, you know, this, this thing that they're creating. They want to make sure it's right. It serves the fan base. It, it like resonates with players. And so there's a bit of like on platform stuff there, but there's also, uh, you know, a lot of kind of open dialogue that happens as well, because we think like that's kind of important at, at, at this kind of level of, you know, uh, transaction. Right. But, Okay, well, that actually leads to my next question. How do you actually get paid then? Like, how about if they yeah. get the introduction and then they move off and do their own deal? How does that help you? Yeah, it's a good question. And so, like, for clarity, like, we're free for developers and publishers. We get paid by the licensors. We have, a, I guess, an agreement with them. Um, it's contractual. And, like, I think the, the, the thing about this space is, like, when you're working with a IP holder, there's, there's kind of two things. One is no IP holder has like a full view of the entire games market, right? Like there's so many developers, so many publishers. And so, you know, there's incentive to stay on layer to get more deals. So it's obviously against terms, which is one thing. And then secondly, I think, you know, more telling in in this space is like, this is a space where like, it's often like the intangible, like trust element, right? It's like, if you're the licensor that controls like, I don't know, let's say SpongeBob, for example, like, like whatever kid's IP you want, that to be treated right and with respect and fairly on the other side. And so you, you know, you're not in the business of trying to just like cut out someone that's making the deal happen as well. So I think there's like the nature of the business prevents that. And like, as a business, we haven't seen any deals where we've introduced them, started the process and they've tried to circumvent us because I think that's kind of like something that they're used to in this space as well. So over time, there will be more and more that we like as a, as a product support, you know, just moving through and, and, you know, that just creates more opportunities for people to like stay within the platform. But at the same time, like we're not honestly that concerned about like what we like would call leakage in, in this space. Right. Got it. And, and let me just go back to another question. So do you manage assets? Like you manage the licenses or you, 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 your, your means of discovery for the licenses, but do you actually have assets on the back end that you're providing uh, developers? At the moment, no. Okay. At the moment, no. So right now, we're very much focused on getting more deals happening in this space. Like most developers, most publishers aren't working with licenses at all. Um, right. And so if we can make more of those deals happen, that's where we think, well, you know, we learn from them, we figure out where do they suck or like where do they hurt the most? And, and then we figure out, well, which parts of the deal, you know, back end do we make easier over time? So, you know, it's, it's, it's the nature of the, the stage of the business, to be honest. Um, but right now we're very much focused on, you know, getting more parties transacting that never would have spoken to each other or even known that they could speak to each other. Right. So the, from the discovery perspective, I totally get it. So like what were, what, I guess, historically, what were people doing before? I mean, just like reaching out to what random yeah. li- rando license and saying, you know, yeah, I mean, like it's it, it's 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 wild, right? Like the, every customer interview that we did, like early early on, like we on both sides, you'd be like, there'd be developers like, eh, I'm kind of interested in licensing, never done it before, I don't know how to work with that, and it's like, you know, say you're making a racing game, like how much is Honda, how much is Ferrari, no one knows, who do I speak to there, like 
there's no real like guide rails to even help you like know like do they even have a licensing team or does someone manage the rights so like all of that used to basically just be like a bunch of cold emails and then like you know on the licensor front it's like hey if you can't understand or if you can't like really assess is this a good pitch or is this like is this just like a rando game that like doesn't fit us they just don't respond right so it's like it was just this really inefficient way of doing things and like that's what we're trying to solve to start with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, EA, what's funny is that back in the history of EA, like part of the, one of the main things that they did to help contribute to the industry was that they consolidated licenses around the sports, mm. right? So the, mm. for mm. NBA, NFL, it's players and, and leagues. And so those two rights were kind of amalgamated to mm. under one body. Now, obviously they were going to do it themselves ultimately, but something like NASCAR, for instance, was an absolute train wreck because there's so many different licensors in terms of brands and whatever that are yeah. on the cars. They actually, in order to license it for games, helped them kind of create the system that uh, mm. that allowed others to license them as well. So anyway, the point yeah. is, is that that's kind of what you're trying, in, in essence, to some degree, or correct me if I'm wrong, is to consolidate uh, licenses into, into one system that you can actually pick and choose what makes sense. And then that also makes it easier to negotiate with the licensor when the time comes in theory. Totally. Totally. And I think it's helping both sides understand like why it's a fit as well. Right. It's like right now it's, it's like, unless you spend a lot of time, like even looking through a property, like, yeah, okay, great. NFL's a big license, but like, what about the specifics of like, what, what's their demographics? Like, like, where are they big? Like outside of the U S like what age range is like, really understanding like how this can like actually affect me as a developer. Like if we are using this for UA or like, what do we know about them in terms of like, you know, spend or like, how would this be for like, you know, our monetization? So like, it's, it's good to get that discovery, but then really understanding like how it can actually change your funnel is going to be, you know, the the really important thing there as well. So what are some of the bigger licenses that are on your platform? Yeah, good question. I mean, we, we, we run a range from, yeah, like small indie licenses through to bigger licenses like um, we've got automotive brands like MG. We've got, you know, Bruce Lee. We work with the Cloud Co team that run like Care Bears. We've got, uh, you know, a lot in kids at the moment, a lot in, um, I, I guess, character-based IP is what we'd call it, um, which is, is generally like the most common form of licensing in this space. Um, so yeah, there's an ever-growing list. We, we work with right now about 250 IP, um, and right now working with a bit over 200 game companies as well. So it's, it's a list that yeah, continually evolves. Any big publishers or big developers that are using the platform that you can talk about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, on the, on the upper end of the market, you know, where we're seeing registrations from the, the, the types that are out there like that at the kind of like top end or like, you know, we've got publicly listed groups like still fronts of the world and like, you know, like tilting point and, and, you know, a, a few others that are like in this space that we're, we're starting to talk to through like, you know, smaller, um, smaller companies, whether, you know, kind of like 500 people, 300 people, like they still have the same kind of, uh, kind of like resource availability or resource scarcity is still a problem in that like there's often not, you know, a whole team available for license, you know, like they've got a lot of games, a lot of it's, product and end. So we're, you know, like helping even that type understand this space and like add it into their funnel, even if they do have uh, kind of like resources looking at it. And then we go all the way down to, you know, two, five person teams where 
they've got something that they're prototyping, they're looking for something small to test with, or maybe they've got a game that's like monetizing well, and then it's like, well, what can we do here to you know make this last and, and lift this as well? So right. yeah, run, runs the runs the board. Um, I mean, our website has all of the logos. Yeah, part, I mean, part okay, part, part of the thesis here though is, and the reason that I, obviously I want to talk to you is that I've been spousing this nonsense about strategies going forward with mm. this IDFA apocalypse, right? And do you find that people are more getting more and more interested in licenses as time goes on? Or is that kind of a, a fabrication in my own mind? Um, but I mean, I don't think it's a fabrication, but I'm also happy to answer the question of like, I think there are people that it doesn't make sense for. Like, I, I don't want to lie. And it's like, if you're making an original IP game where like it's hardcore and it's, it's you're building a narrative in a world, that's cool. Like, you know, that player base wants that. And you can't just like slap an IP onto that. Like that's not, it probably won't fit. If it doesn't like fit your player style and if it doesn't fit like the game audience, then, you know, maybe it's not the best. But I think overall, like people are seeing how the the top end of the market are using IP and you see the, you know, like the Scopelys of the world or even like the, um, you know, in games like Garena, right? They're using so much IP to, to bring people in. We were chatting to... Um, Newzu, right? The, the, they, they had a report on like the IP games market, and I think they looked at top right. top twenty top twenty non hyper casuals, and I think like nine out of ten were IP IP usage or IP based. Oh, yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that the growth is growth is there, um, and so I think you know people are trying to figure out how do we how do we get around IDFA, ATT, all of that. So yeah, I think you know what's in the market is is definitely kind of increasing interest and i think even with what we do like it's a term that a lot of people don't know about like you know developers haven't considered as part of their like stack of like how do we market and if we can make that easier i think that's a cool thing this episode is brought to you by data ai yes they were called app annie back in the day but let's not talk about that let's talk about how data ai is the first company to combine consumer and market data with the power of artificial intelligence and data ai does this to unlock unique consumer and market insight to accelerate competitive advantages across all digital channels worldwide. What we here at Deconstructor Fund really like is Data AI's Game IQ tool. It's this fantastic market and competitive intelligence tool for mobile gaming that allows publishers to really get to the feature level of a game without doing a full-on deconstruction first. Using this tool, your team can quickly tie features to performance KPIs, which will help you make difficult roadmap decisions. It's also a great tool to identify hidden growth opportunities as you can analyze games on a scale. As you well know, there are hundreds of thousands of gaming apps in the App Store and thousands of new mobile games released each month. And while we don't want you to stop reading and listening to Deconstructor Fun, the fact is we can't cover it all. With Data AI, and especially their Game IQ tool, you'll be able to efficiently determine what features provide a lift, make roadmap decisions based on accurately modeled expected outcomes, discover how competitors lifted performance through feature releases, benchmark performance against your competitors, focus with confidence on the highest potential genre for a new game release. We here at Deconstructor Fun are huge fans of Data AI, so what are you waiting for? Go to Data AI and try the service for free. In today's global gaming marketplace, your players want to pay how they want, when they want, and where they want. Accepting localized forms of payments and keeping up with what's trending is key to growing your gaming business and to finding new untapped markets. That's where Exola Payments comes in. With just one simple integration, you'll be connected to over 700 localized preferred payment methods on a global scale. 
including bank cards, digital wallets, mobile payments, cash kiosks, gift cards, special offers, and more. Plus, with Excel acting as your merchant of record, they assume the risk of cost of complex VATs, sales taxes, laws, and regulations. Leave every transaction to the experts while you focus on retaining and expanding your audience. You can get started today. Just head over to exola.pro slash paystation or look for the link in the description of this episode. Exola Payments, it's what your gaming business needs to succeed. So I guess describe like a, a developer profile that would find the tool useful. Like what, like how does that process work in, in your view in terms of why they would need layer to help them kind of <laughs> discover things and how, yeah. How does that work out? Yeah, cool. I mean, like, yeah, uh, like a representative developer on our end would be like, you know, take the middle of the market that we see and it's probably someone with, you know, 50 to 100 people, um, you know, they've got games that are live as opposed to, you know, games that are kind of like still kind of just like in prototypes or vertical slice or something like that. Games that are live are great because you kind of have a base of monetization. You kind of know your funnel already. Like if you have a mechanic that's working, it's much easier to see how license or an IP can affect that, right? Or like what the value is. Like if you don't know how it performs already, it can be harder to figure out like what did this affect in our UA and like what did this affect in our retention monetization? So I think that's like something that we're seeing a lot. Like it's this content integration live off strategy that we're seeing a, a general kind of like rise on as opposed to, yeah, we do see IP-based games and, and that is a part of what we do. Um, but I think the broader market kind of trend is is how do we get ip into our existing games and, and run that as a service and then like i think if if you're asking a question of like how does layer help with that i think it's like well because you know these aren't just one-off deals you're trying to build a pipeline of like ip and you're trying to build a pipeline of content for the, for the games as, as i guess running as a service then that's where you know it's in, interesting to know like well in this market like what are all the kind of potentials like of across themes and like styles that we like you know what are their commercials that they're kind of open to and so when they've got that profile and that kind of like matching preference set up on their end you know they get that and it helps them kind of like figure that out and it can even help them like figure out a slate right because it's not always like oh we just want to license all of this stuff right now it's like well what do we start with how do we know if ip works for us as a business and then like how do we ramp that up into like more IP over the next year as well. And so having that access, I think, is something that we hear hear about um, rather than having to kind of like, as you said earlier, like spec and like pick up like, well, we're going to go after this one, but what if it's not available? What if they don't want to work with you? Then you've kind of like wasted all this time on like trying to get this one thing that may not even be available. But if you tell Leia that we're interested in something like this, then if we have that, then we give you that. But if we have other things that you wouldn't have considered Right, right, and right. that also comes through. Yeah, again, it's back to the discovery idea mm. so that you can actually find mm. licenses you never thought of that fit within yeah. the profile of what you were looking for. Got it. Um, yeah. In terms of the tool itself for discovery, is there mm. a lot of things that you're working on? Like, what, what are some of the big requests or uh, needs from the development community for the tool itself? And what are you guys working on to make it better? Yeah, right Right now, um, the way it works is, yeah, we, we send these matches out. I think over time we'll do... Um, an increasingly better job of kind of showing the the strength or like the value of the IP. 
right now we we do show you know how it how it overlaps your game like hey if your audience is big in these markets this age range and like you know thematically it's you know this is the game that you've got we will you know show you that but i think if we can you know get to that point that we can say hey like this is how your game is performing right now we think if you know this ip is this strong we could lift you know ua by this like as a, as a range or like this is how it performs in market i think that that would be really cool like being able to get a sense of value before having to like jump into it so we hear a lot of uh, a lot of kind of requests around like well how, how do i how do i assess this better or how do i know like you know what this is really worth and i think that's something we want to do uh, over time all right well let's okay let's shift gears how about like platform is this primarily mobile or are you looking at pc console are you looking at uh licensing for the metaverse or <laughs> Or, um, you know, user-generated content. I mean, is that definitely yeah. possible as well? Like, are you open to any platform or mm -hmm. like? I'd, I'd say right now we're about sixty percent mobile. Um, a big cluster after that in Metaverse Web three, and I, I think the trends here are like, you know, in mobile there's a much broader audience appeal where these IPs actually you know make sense, right? It's like you've got gender splits, you've got age splits, demographic splits all over. And so you can tap into lots of different type of IP where there's like an existing fan base or like, right, you know, right. someone that cares about it, right? And then Metaverse is interesting and, and Web3 is interesting. Like a lot of projects trying to like, essentially like, if you think about it, they're trying to like, for a Metaverse to feel real or like for, for these games to be able to be like, for these worlds to be able to be like what they're saying they are, they have to kind of have everything, right? It's like they're trying to make these massive, massive kind of like, you know, play like kind of play experiences or like simulation experiences. So they kind of need almost like a ton of content. And also like, you know, a lot of them are like cashed up. They need to like figure out user acquisition and like that just makes sense there. I think like we see a little bit in, in PC console, but I think that's probably where we see the least as well because PC console is where you often do get a lot more of the kind of like more core, more original IP games, um, where the markets are different. Like you know, it's kind of sitting in a in a in a yeah more serious kind of like space. So like often they're working with a uh, audience that knows them. You know, they're d developing it in a, in a certain way. But now we've got you know exceptions to that as well. Like if you look at the biggest. IP usage in the world, it's probably Fortnite. And it's like, well, what platform's that? It's kind of everything. Like right. there are there are exceptions to everything, but like mobile web three is definitely our like biggest kind of cluster at the moment. When you when you say web three, you don't mean blockchain, you mean metaverse. Like uh I mean I mean both of those, both. right? So it's like it, it depends. That 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 line is blurry between is it just blockchain and it's just a game that uses blockchain um in that case you know often they have a lot of capital and they're looking to like speed up user acquisition um to to you know make a move in this space and and when it's like the metaverse side of things it's it goes back to that we kind of need to fill this with as much stuff that like people care about because like is it truly a metaverse if like no one wants to be there or like if if there's none of the things that they care about there so there you know that's there's definitely a, a part of a part of their kind of concern as well yeah, it feels like meta's uh horizon probably needs some uh, licenses <laughs> fucking around that thing since no one gives a shit right uh, <laughs> exactly like maybe that's the thing so like if you're listening mark um give me a call <laughs> Um, all right. So, what's next? What's uh, what what what's kind of the goals, ambitions of the company over the next twelve to eighteen months? 
Um, 12, 18 months. I mean, like, yeah, right now we raise this seed round that which sees us through, you know, that time period uh, for the most part. I mean, right now what it, what it is for us is, is heads down and, and getting more developers, publishers and, and licenses on board. I mean, basically trying to do as many deals as we can and, and not in a, not in a selfish, like we just want to do deals, but like more of a, we want to do deals that, that prove that, Hey, we can, we can introduce and we can make things happen that wouldn't have ever happened before. And, you know, already with the, the business that we're seeing right now, these, these are things that either side wouldn't have seen before. And I think that's, that's really cool because I think the new play experiences or new game experiences that fans get to take part in, but also as a business, they, they kind of, you know, get, get value out of. So like heads down on, on that growth piece for us right now, um, you know, as a business where we're taking a, a move to kind of getting out of Australia uh, specifically and where, we're, um, you know, we're in the wrong times and all the time. Um, so like we'll be increasing our European presence and, and being closer to, to our developers as well. You know, far for me to be disparaging against any country, uh, although I've done that many times in my career as a podcaster. But uh, never heard it. I, I, Australia is just a tough one. Like we, in, in when I was at EA, we had a development studio down there. It never worked mm. out because of the geo and yeah. and and just in, impossible to get mm. them going. I've heard like numerous times in which these studios mm. and they never work. But what's really interesting about the country is that they are the most hardcore mother effers in terms of gaming, right? They spend a crap ton of money. They're super core gamers. It's a small audience, yeah. but it, it should be a place, a hotbed for game development, but it never seems to work. Um, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like we culturally are like more relaxed America, right? So it's like, we, we, we spend a lot of money. We like a lot of games and things get like play tested here or like a lot of like right, other right. like tech that's launched here. But then, like, yeah, I mean, like, I've heard the stories and, like, Australia's on, Australia, like, the, the government is on a bit of a drive at the moment to try and attract inward games investment. And, you know, you know and yet, you're leaving, yet you're leaving the country, right? I know, right? Well, no, we still got a team here. We're not all leaving. All like, right. you know, we'll, we'll be good for Australia. But, you know, it's like, I always think about it. It's like, yeah, Australia is cool. The tax incentives are cool for, for games at the moment. So if you are considering it, it's really cool. But if you're a big team, like, Man, that's that's hard. Like, if everyone's in Paris and everyone's in the U.S., like, I don't know, it, it, it's tricky. And like, we've we've seen it, we've seen it go the, the wrong way a few times. Yeah. So, what what's the lo- the longer term goal here? Like, if you were to say, like, five mm. years from now, you build up this team, is it an IPO or is it like, uh, mm. is it getting sold? Like, who's like a logical yeah. buyer for such a business? You know, like, do you have have you given that mm. much thought? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question. Actually, it's it's one that I guess we don't get asked that often. But you know, if if you're in this space, like where you're raising venture capital, like those investors at some point want to see some kind of return. So that that means you have to either get acquired or IPO. And I think in this space, I think we honestly don't think about the exit plans that that much because it feels so far away. But I think if you think about like who are the logical buyers in this space, like if that's a space that we're looking at, then there's kind of you know it. There's a few options. I mean, there are definitely, um, you know, the, the big entertainment agents, agencies of the world right. that represent rights that might want that kind of like advantage or market position in gaming. Um, but then there's also, you know, these these kind of game tech providers that are trying to win over developers. Like if you're a Unity or, yeah. or whoever trying to build an ecosystem that makes it easier to either build games or do the business of games. I think there's an interesting spot there as well, whether that's, you know, 
unity or like someone that's more in like the ad tech space or something uh something like that and then i mean outside of that like if it really ends up being the the thing that they can publish them, I want to do it and, you know, as part of their kind of like value add to their portfolio of studios, these, some of these groups are so big, right? Like I know you've spoken about a lot of groups before that just, you know, are always on acquisition sprees and, you know, how do you have an internal service as well for them? So the options are, the options are like, you know, pretty wide for us. We haven't really thought about who, who that is. And I mean, it could be an idea. It could be us acquiring them. So um, let, let's let's figure that out when we when we get there. Awesome. Um, well, final question for you: um, In what way does your product and service help solve a problem or innovate in the interactive industry? Okay, cool. I mean, Leia helps find licenses for developers and publishers. It helps you know licensing IP improves UA, uh, improves retention and, and monetization. And we we make that, that process easy. We make it easy for developers and publishers to figure out, well, who could we work with and how could we work with them? So that's really what we're here to solve. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, for coming out. How's, what's the best way to reach you if anybody wants to talk about your product? Uh, yeah. Website is layer licensing, L-A-Y-E-R-L-I-C-E-N-S-I-N-G.com. Um, and I'm Ratchet, that's R-A-C-H-I-T. Um, so you can reach me on LinkedIn or whatever as well, or just Ratchet at LayerLicensing.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming out. Uh, we'll talk soon uh, and good thanks, luck Harry. with everything. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. You did it. You made it to the end of the episode. As a fan of the show, it would help us out if you subscribe and leave us a review on the podcast service of your choice. More importantly, are you a member of the Deconstructor of Fun Slack group? If you have five years or more of games industry experience, go to deconstructoroffun.com slash slack and apply to join. Join the games industry's best professional community filled with peers always willing to lend a hand. Or subscribe to our newsletter to get all the latest insights from the Deconstructor of Fun content creators. Thanks for listening.